Our God is a God of new beginnings. So let go of yesterday. It's gone. You can't do a thing about it. God's mercies are new every morning, so he will take care of that. And embrace this day because this is God's gift. Take a deep breath. Lift up your heart to this great God. And let's discover how to find him in all places. And I think that you will particularly love what we read about today because this is an aspect of God, our creative God, that may well surprise you. People often think about God as being a God who just loves rules for their own sake and is quite arbitrary about them and is primarily concerned with creating people who are supposed to be little conformists. But it is not so. There is another dimension to God's creative power. We saw how from the beginning, when God begins to create, he doesn't say, make it so in the imperative. He says in what Andy Crouch says is the uh, Joseph grammar in Hebrew, let there be, which is a way of giving power and allowing creativity to emerge from agents aside himself. And we see this particularly in what happens on the fifth day. Uh, God has created these empowered creatures that yield seed, bear fruit, rule the day and night, fly, fruitful, multiply, creep, fill the earth. But now listen to this on the fifth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters. Now there's a wealth of content in that phrase right there. God created the great sea monsters. As you may know, the book of Genesis was written as part of the great conversation in the ancient world. Where did we come from? How did we get here? What does it mean to be human? And in other accounts in the ancient Near East, uh, creation emerged from conflict with chaos. And so there would be these great chaos monsters. There's actually one book simply called The Return of the Chaos Monster. One of the primary stories that was told was of a character who slices this enormous creature in half and one half becomes the sky and one half becomes the earth and it's bloody and it shows that conflict has always been there. That is not the case in the book of Genesis. Now, what's really interesting is occasionally in the Bible, you will see references to hints of these chaos monsters whose names and identity were known by everybody, including Israel in the ancient world. They were part of the cosmic furniture, kind of like Loch Ness Monster in our day. So Isaiah 51, 9, God, was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that dragon through? Was it not you who dried up the sea? Or Psalm 89, 9, God, you rule the raging of sea. You crush Rahab like a carcass. You scatter your enemies with a mighty arm. Or Psalm 74 says you crush Leviathan. Now, where did that happen? I don't remember those stories in the Bible. And of course, they're not. The writers of scripture are simply using these concepts, these images, and these mythical creatures that were widely known to everybody as a way of expressing the great power of God. Nothing, Loch Ness, nothing is a problem for our God. What's interesting is in Genesis, they do not make an appearance. Unlike all the other creation narratives, the stories in Israel's day, uh, there is no conflict here. There is no conflict built into creation. All of creation is good. And God brought it into being like a great king who simply speaks it so.
So that's a huge sentence right here. So God created the sea monsters. No problem for him. Leviathan is just like a rubber duck in God's bathtub. And every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them. Love this picture of God blessing these creatures, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day, Genesis 1, 20 to 22. People sometimes say God is in control. That's not quite right. God is not, not in control. He's not out of control. But God is not... A micromanager. God is not about creating a universe where everything is controlled the way that a machine is. This is what Andy Crouch writes in his book, Playing God. God's creative act brings forth not carefully regimented sets of creatures, but swarms of them. So think about the word swarm. Swarms are not well suited to the imperative mood. Anybody who has been too near a swarm of honeybees, gone scuba diving among schools of fish, or seen a wheeling flock of sparrows over a grain field at sunset, knows how awesomely unpredictable a swarm can be. And I'm hoping right now we'll be able to show this. I was on a boat in uh, the Pacific Ocean not too long ago, going over to Santa Cruz Island, and we saw in the course of one ride what a ranger said later on was between three and 4,000 dolphins. You would look behind the boat and they were surfing in its wake, leaping up out of the water. Go to the front of the boat and you see dolphins just under the water, just flying alongside of the boat. Afterwards, one of the people that was with me prayed and said, God, thanks for making it easier to believe in you. So today, when you see animals, just marvel at what a great God God is. And he goes on, other translations use the word teeming for the animals of Genesis fifth day, another word of incalculable and inestimable abundance. The creator is not seeking a world full of pets, individually domesticated animals to be bred, to be attentive to their human masters. He delights in wildness. He delights in wildness. Swarming and teeming are part of what makes the world good. The overflow and excess of life. All this actually gives greater glory to God, who has breathed into existence the vast spaces of earth, sky, and the sea where these creatures can teem. He loves that more than he would a meticulously tended backyard. The Creator loves teeming. He delights in wildness. There was a play by Herb Gardner I love called The Thousand Clowns. The central character, played by an actor, Jason Robards, is this very eccentric nonconformist, lives in a real clouded, crowded area in New York City. He will sometimes open the window and yell out to his neighbors, I'm very concerned about the decline in the quality of trash around here. Pizza boxes, paper plates. Where's the champagne bottles? Where's the caviar? And the story is his battle against his nemesis, this very rule-following, by-the-book, social welfare bureaucrat. And Jason Robards has uh, been given custody of his nephew. And the question is, will he be able to be his free self? And will this rule-follower uh, take away the one that he loves? 
And when he writes about what his hope is for his nephew, I love this speech. He says, I just want him to stay with me until I can be sure he won't turn into Norman nothing. I want to be sure he'll know when he's chickening out on himself. I want him to get to know exactly when the special thing he is. I want to get him to know exactly the special thing he is, or else he won't notice it when it starts to go. I want him to stay awake and know who the phonies are. I want him to know how to holler and put up an argument. I want a little guts to show before I can let him go. I want to be sure he sees all the wild possibilities. I want him to know it's worth all the trouble just to give the world a little goosing when you get the chance. And I want him to know the subtle, sneaky, important reason why he was born a human being and not a chair. That's the God who creates teams and swarms and delights in wildness. I first saw that when I was in high school with a friend, Tim, who was one of those really creative people. And Tim said, we're going to make a musical out of it. We never did. Tim was one of those kind of guys. He went to a movie theater one time where they were showing one of the versions of Batman movie, and it was a little bit late. So he got up. He was, he was a great musician and divided the audience in the movie theater into a choir. And one half of them would do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then the other half, Batman. It's very interesting. Somehow we think of God creating conformists. You ever look at what the prophets did? Like Ezekiel, I think it was, one time ate a scroll. He laid on one side of his body for 390 days to get a message across. He, he cooked food over human excrement. Hosea marries a prostitute, for crying out loud. John the Baptist eats locusts. These are not conformist people. I don't know where... Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't allow the pressure and the fear of the world to lock you into some regimented, you know, robotic uh, automaton life, but be transformed. Be alive, for God's sake, be alive. Understand the subtle, sneaky reason you were born a human being. Today, surprise somebody. Let somebody else cut in line when you're at the store. Pay for somebody behind you when you're getting coffee. There's a person experiencing homelessness. Go get to know them. Find out what their name is. Today, when you're walking someplace, skip. Be alive. Swarm. Team. God delights in wildness. You were born a human being in the image of God. Let there be, let there be, let there be. End of teaching. Beginning of your day with God. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a part of the team here at Become New. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 855-888-0444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.